It was about three, four months ago, and I started thinking about my life and looking at how old I was, and I decided I had to start setting some goals. I was going to be 50 soon, and uh, I, had, I had 18 months, and so I, I wanted to lose some weight. I wanted to accomplish some things. I started writing down all this list, and I decided to share them with my wife. It's like, Julie, here's what I'm thinking, and and I started talking through this. I said, now I've got 18 months to get this done. And she said, honey, I love you, but you got six. I said, no, I don't. I, I, I'm 48. She says, honey, you're 49. And in like five seconds, I lost a year of my life. I was getting old and, and, and things changed. And, and yet, one of the things I've learned, the older I get... Some things don't change. I remember being back in college, for example, and see if this resonates with any of you. You're in class, and you realize your teacher is wrapping up 10 minutes early. You know that feeling like, yes, you're going to get out, you can get to the bathroom, you can check all your texts. We didn't have texts, or we didn't have cell phones back then, so it's not the same, but you can still get out early, and, and you are going to get this extra 10, 15 minutes bonus. And then the professor says those dreaded words. Any last questions? And you've got that one person in your class. You know who I'm talking about? Anytime a professor says any last questions, that hand shoots up so fast. And, and everybody else in the class, your heads go down. Because you just know you lost your last 10 minutes. And the worst part for me is most of the time, that question that was being asked wasn't even relevant. Am I connecting with anybody here? Do you know the person? I'm, if that's you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pick on you here. But they're either trying to make a point that the teacher was wrong about something, or they want to sound really smart with this really esoteric question that they're going to ask. My feeling always was, listen, if you're really that interested, talk to the professor after class. Let me out of here, right? To my... Is that still happening today? And okay, so those of you, if that's you who asked, and if you really need to know something, that's fine, but do us all a favor and let us get out of class early. I mean, if I, the classes I teach, if I'm getting done 10 minutes early, I want to leave too. So it's not, it's not just you guys. The, the passage we're going to look at today tells us that this isn't something that just was happening when I was in college a few years back. Or happening now, but this was happening thousands and thousands of years ago. That people would ask these really odd and strange questions to try and prove a point. Often because they didn't want to deal with what was actually being taught. And we're going to look at a passage that has a lot of questions. And what's really intriguing to me is what caught my attention was a few weeks ago we were on an athletic leadership retreat. And uh, a baseball player posed a question. The question went something like this. He says, we hear all these, these testimonies that come in chapel or at school, and people live these lives, and they've done all this stuff, and then eventually they finally come and become a Christian, and everything works out okay. So why should I become a Christian now? If eventually it's going to work out, if Jesus is always going to forgive me, why age 20 or 21, do I need to follow Jesus now? I had this question posed to me when I was a camp counselor. 
I had two camps that summer I worked that were the worst camps I ever did. This camp I call the arson camp. I, uh, I walked into my cabin, and there were these two guys. They had put up Def Leppard posters everywhere. I, you probably don't know who Def Leppard is, but anyway, pyromania and all that stuff. was. Um, they had these posters. They had big... They had big, big speakers and their electric guitars, and they were rocking out. I'm like, what in the world did I get myself into? They had all the 80s makeup on and big hair. It got worse. That night we had our last session. I start walking back to my cabin. The door flies open, and a guy covered head head to toe in flames bursts out the door and goes sprinting across the field. And I'm like, all the training, you know, catch him, drop, tuck, roll, wrap him up, do whatever. And just then he dives, rolls over, and jumps up laughing. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? The door bursts open. The next guy comes flying out, looking like the, the human torch or whatever it is in Fantastic Four, right? And he goes flying across. They had tied hoodies around their faces, sprayed themselves down in right garden off, and were lighting themselves on fire as a fun way to start camp. <laughs> These guys knew how to burn and blow up everything. And that week was the longest week of camp I'd ever had. We got to the last night of camp, and Tony was one of the guys. The other kid ended up getting sent home from some other stuff that he did. But we were in our last thing. I realized Tony wasn't there. And I walked out, and Tony was standing out by a lake. And, and I said, Tony, I said, just level with me. This has been a hard week. What do you think of this Christian stuff? He says, you know, down deep, I know it's probably true. I want to be a rock star. I want to live my life. And someday I'll probably... When I get old, I'll probably come back and I'll buy in. But right now, I've got too many dreams and I want to live my life. And I said, well, Tony, uh, what? Aren't you afraid that God may not wait for you? He says, that's my biggest fear. But I've got I to gotta go for it. That's the question I think a lot of people wrestle with. Why? What's the value? On Wednesday, Christian was telling us about the law and how it was designed for... This, this manual that told us how to live and it tells what righteousness was and, and what sin was. And the problem was, as you read through Romans, is people say they follow the law and people say they believe it and they act religious, but down deep, they break it all the time. And Paul makes the point that there's really no righteousness. And so somebody poses this question to Paul. They say, so what value is there in being a Jew? What value is there in circumcision, this mark that shows everybody in the world that you are a Jew? Tonight's going to be a little different type of message. I'm not going to go through this expositionally and take verse by verse. But when I started reading this passage, I realized two of the reasons that Paul identified as having great value for being a Jew are exactly two of the reasons... I find great value in following Jesus. And so I want to share you tonight, share with you tonight, what's the value in being a Christian? What, what is there? Paul says there's great value. He says much in every way there's value in being a Jew. And so what I'd like to do is talk about the two reasons. Paul says in every way there's value in being a Jew, but then he takes two. And he just spends time on two. And I would like to take those same two reasons with you. What's the value in being a Jew? What's the value in being a Christian? Much in every way. First, he says, you have been entrusted with the word of God, the very words of God. 
Now, why is that a big deal? I'm a basketball coach, and I understand basketball terminology. When I stand on the sidelines of a football field, you might as well be speaking Greek. All right? There's sets, and there's plays, and there's waggles, and there's all kinds of things. I have absolutely no idea what it means. This might help some of you. I used to, back in the day, think I understood women. I understood what they said and what they meant. And then I got married and found out I was clueless. I found out that clean doesn't mean pick up. It actually means clean. Who knew? You know? I learned that nothing never means nothing. You know, what's wrong? Nothing. It never means nothing. Okay? There's always something. All right? Later doesn't always mean later. Later means I want a hug right now, but I just don't want to tell you. I didn't know that. There's lots of things I didn't understand. And what the Bible tells us is that the Bible is like that. God's word is like that. The Bible says that God's word is actually foolishness. The gospel is foolishness to people who don't believe, people who don't have the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so we can read the Bible, we can read the stories, we can study it. But something happens when we decide to follow Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into our life the truth in the Bible becomes alive. John 8, 32 says this, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I taught for a long time at a public high school. And one of the challenges of being a follower of Jesus in a public high school is how do you deal with that? How do you live your life? How do you stand for your faith and yet operate in that system? And there was a book by Frank Peretti called Prophet. And it changed my life. In the book, the 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 guy, the lead character, is this newspaper anchor man, and he, or this television anchor man, and, and he's wrestling with this concept of truth. And his dad says this to him. He says, listen, the truth can be your best friend or your worst enemy. If you're willing to hear the truth, it'll hurt a little. But you'll come out ahead and you'll benefit. But if you're encasing yourself in an illusion and running from the truth, well, sooner or later, it'll catch up to you. And the blow will be a lot more severe. You may not even be able to pick up the pieces. See, I think that's what Christian was referring to when he said, God gave us this law, this manual, and he said, here's how it works. We don't understand it. But when we choose to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and all of a sudden we start realizing that if I want to make my marriage work, and not just work, but make it great... The Bible has truth that works. If I want to learn how to lead people and influence them and make a difference in their lives, the Bible has truth that works. And the Holy Spirit can help me understand it. If I want to understand how to deal in the midst of deep anxiety or depression and find peace, the Bible has truth that works. If I want, if I need anything, I believe this. The Bible has truth for each and every situation. And I have come to follow Jesus and I've come to, to learn more and more. It's amazing to me how many situation after situation after situation I find myself in. that The Bible's truth speaks powerfully. Jesus put it this way. He said in Matthew, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, anyone who hears my word, 
and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell with a great crash. A lot of people say, I don't know why I need to follow Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, you've probably never been through a bad storm. Life has worked for you. You haven't been in that place where things have come crashing down. And what I have learned is usually there is no warning. This summer we were up in Minnesota. And I went on this bike ride. It was great. Um, It was about 50 degrees cooler than it was in Kansas because Kansas is so brutally hot in the summer. And I'm riding my bike and enjoying the weather. There is a light rain that's coming down. It's just cooling me off and life's good. I'm about a mile from where we were staying at my sister-in-law's. And all of a sudden the wind starts picking up a little bit. Like, hmm, that's kind of different. And then all of a sudden, in a second, the temperature dropped 30 degrees. It got cold. And this big old tree branch comes flying out of a tree, hits me in the head. And another one crashes in the road, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. The wind's blowing. I have never pedaled a bicycle as fast as I was pedaling. All right? So I'm, I'm going as fast. The wind's blowing. I'm pedaling. Tree branches are flying. I turn the corner into the driveway, and the basketball goal is blowing out the driveway at me. I had to duck a basketball goal. Never done that before. Pulled in the garage. Julie was happy to see me. And just then, the trees started falling. Hundreds and hundreds of trees and telephone poles crashing and falling in a matter of seconds and minutes. If you wait for the storm to decide to start following Jesus, you may be too late. The Bible says there's a storm that's going to come. It may come now. It may come in the future. You don't know, but when it comes, it's probably going to come fast and it's going to come hard. And one of the reasons I find great value in following Jesus in the storm, the truth I know the Bible teaches me, hold me firm. When my 18-year-old brother was killed in a car accident, the storm hits, I have hope. When a son goes through a deep depression and we don't know what to do, the Bible provides truth and hope. When life changes, when the storms blow, when the, or the wind blows and the storms hit and the waters come, my life is solid because it's based on truth. Why be a Christian? What value is there in a Christian for me? Because when the Holy Spirit entered my life, God's word started to make sense. It's given me power to sustain me, to heal me, to guide me. We have been given the access to the very words of God. And we can actually live through storms. And so when Paul says, what's the value? The first thing he says, above all else is you've been entrusted the Word of God. And it'll have a power in your life. Then he gives a second reason. He says, God is faithful. The second reason, or the second thing that gives me value, or gives value to me in being a Christian, is the fact that God is faithful. 
Bible says a number of things. It says he's faithful to help deliver us from temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says he's faithful to forgive us, 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful to strengthen and protect me, 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. He's faithful to keep all his promises in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 1, 18. And verse I love, the 2 Timothy 2, 13 puts it this way. If we are faithless... If I have no faith, if, if I doubt, if I can't stay the course, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. Let me be very personal with you. Why do I follow Jesus? Why do I pledge my life to him? Why do I want Jesus as my Lord, not just my Savior? Honestly, because I'm unfaithful. I don't always keep my word. I don't... I, I, I don't always come through the way I want because I'm faithless. There are times in my life, there's no way in my logic where I can believe God can come through. And yet, he has every single time. Because I doubt. Because sometimes I look around and, and life doesn't make sense to me. I, I wonder, am I missing out on something? Is there a better way? And, and I'm not the believer I'm supposed to be. But you see, when it comes to God keeping his promises, it's not about me. It's not about how much I pray. It's not about how much I read. It's not how much servant leadership I do. It's not how much I study. It's not how good I am. It's not how much money I give. The only thing that matters is the fact that God himself is faithful. And because I have a faithful God, he picks me up. See, the Bible tells us that when we are followers of Jesus... When we take one of those detours, when we leave and go in our own direction, when we stray, when we do bad things, when we turn our back on the very one who loves us, he's the good shepherd who leaves the rest of the flock and he chases and he pursues. Not because we deserve it, but because he is faithful. He became a man and he died on the cross so that we could be in relationship with him. And in my life, no matter where I've been, no matter what I've done, no matter what direction I've gone, my Lord has always pursued me and forgiven me and brought me home. That's what faithfulness looks like. That's what grace and mercy looks like. And that's why Paul says there is great value in being part of the family of God. For the Jews, no matter where they went, no matter what they did, God always pursued them. He always brought them back. And the same thing is true for us today. Now, right in the face of this, when we get to this point, this is where a lot of people don't want to go any further. This is where a lot of people, they don't even want to interact. And so even in Paul's day, they start asking really strange questions. Somebody says, since, well, if... if I sin, and that makes God's faithfulness show up even more. Isn't he being unfair if he judges me or holds me accountable? Somebody else says, shouldn't I just keep sinning a whole bunch over and over? I'll sin more and more and more, and and then that'll make people see how incredible God's faithfulness is even more. Somebody else says, why shouldn't I do bad stuff? Because good's going to prevail anyway. 
And I don't want to spend our time tonight. That's like the questions asked at the end of class. And Paul actually basically says this. The people who ask these questions, they deserve what they get. I'm paraphrasing there. They're asking questions to avoid dealing with the real issue. They're dealing, they're, they're asking questions because for many of them, I think they're like many of us. We want Jesus as our Savior. But we're not real excited about having Him as our Lord. We want to make sure we go to heaven someday. We want to make sure we're not in hell, but are we willing to follow the truth that He gives us? Are we really willing to follow what He says? Let me read a couple of verses to you. Jeremiah 6.16 says this. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. The prophet Isaiah says it this way. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. That's what I believe God is challenging us with tonight. Do you want to be loved and significant? This is the way. I'm faithful. Do you trust me? Do you want a relationship for the rest of your life with real intimacy and real love and a marriage that is full and exciting? Walk this way. Do you trust me? I'm faithful. Do you want to make a difference in the world? Do you, do you want to change somebody else's life? Do you want to reach down and help somebody? Walk this way. Do you trust me? I'm faithful. Do you want to get out of your depression? Do you want to break your addiction? Do you want to be the first person in your life who, in your family's life in a long time, who breaks the cycle? This is the way. Here's the truth. Do you trust me? I'm faithful. Do you want to break free from what has you stuck right now? Walk this way. Trust me, I'm faithful. I told you about Tony standing at the side of the lake at Big Sandy Camp. It was about nine months later. I was in this little snack shop. And somebody from our college who was out doing stuff at different colleges came up to me and said, Hey, Dean, do you know a guy named Tony from Big Sandy Camp? And I'm ready for the place to start on fire. You mean, you know, Tony, fire, that just went hand in hand. I said, yep. She said, I was at Ohio State University at a campus crusade deal this summer. And I was wearing my college sweatshirt. And he said, hey, do you know Dean Jaderston? And she said, yes. And he said, tell Dean I didn't wait that long. And Tony was walking with God and trusting God because God wasn't willing that he would go and God pursued him until he found him. 
Is there any value in being a Christian right now? As an 18, 19, 21, 22, 23-year-old, 30 year I don't care who's in here. Is there any value? Much in every way, I would tell you. But let me tell you two tonight. One, you've been given the Word of God and its truth for every area of your life. And secondly, you have an opportunity to follow a God who is absolutely faithful. Who says, walk this way. You can trust me. I'm faithful. In Acts, Paul is preaching. And he tells it in this sermon, he makes a statement that's extraordinary. It's amazing to me how people end up at Sterling College. I, I don't get how people come from all over the place and they end up in this little town here in Kansas. I don't even know how I got here, frankly. But this is what Paul tells the people who are listening. From one man he made every nation of men so that they would inhabit the whole earth. And then get this. Said he determined the time set for them in the exact places they should live. Says God, for everybody in here, God set down way before we got here that at this time in September of 2015, you were going to be at Sterling College. And then this is what Paul says God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him though he is not far from each one of us. You're here because the God of the universe wanted you to be so that somewhere before the storm comes, or maybe you're in the midst of it, he brought you to Sterling College so that somehow in the midst of it, when you didn't know anything else, you would reach out for God and you would find out he was already there waiting. That's why there's value for me in following Jesus. That's why there's value in making him my Lord, not just my Savior. Tonight, as we wrap up with some worship, there may be some of you who have never made that decision. I'm going to be hanging around here. I would love to talk with you. If you don't make it tonight, swing by my office tomorrow. That's, be my, that's why I do what I do, why I coach in a place like Sterling. Many of you have RAs or RDs who would also love to have that conversation, conversation with you. But don't wait until the storm comes. Be ready for it. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us to this place called Sterling, Kansas. Thank you for not letting go of us, but being faithful in your pursuit of us. Thank you for sending your son and chasing us down. And looking past all the things that we've done wrong. All our sin. All our failings. All the times when we're faithless. And demonstrating over and over how faithful a God that you are. Lord for many who are wrestling right now with who is going to be Lord of their life. I pray that they would see great value. In the truth that's found in your word. I pray that that word would become alive to us. And powerful and reach deep within us. And God, I pray that we would become overwhelmed by your faithfulness to us. That in those moments we are faithless, we would see you as strong and resolute. We'd come to trust that and depend on it. Thank you that you are my Lord and my Savior. And I pray, Jesus, that that would be the case for many here. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Let's sit, stand and sing great